Coming up in this episode of the Super Pesis Roundup podcast, normal services resumed, and we're talking about all the latest news and results in the men's and women's Super Pesis. Plus, I talk about a new statistics spreadsheet that I've designed using the data that we already have to take a closer look on what's going on in every game. That's all coming up on this episode of the Super Pesis Roundup podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 44 of the Super Pesis Roundup podcast. Normal service has been resumed, and we're talking all about Pespola today. Um, I'm your host, Ian Albert, and joining me as ever is our resident coach, it's Mikko Pirhonen. Mikko, how are you doing? All good, all good. The busiest time of the year, and uh, there's like uh, numerous games every day on telly so i'm all good yeah yeah um my family are uh hearing lots of <laughs> lots of <laughs> games being played in the background um as i'm as i'm watching what i can when i can and it's um it's a really exciting time for the season it's you get that kind of sense that we're on that home stretch almost now that we're 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 staring down at the barrel and saying right we're getting towards the postseason and it's crunch time for a lot of teams. A lot of teams are making some changes and some moves. And in fact, um, there's a couple of things I want to talk about in terms of moves straight off in our news section. So we'll go straight to that. Um, Donnell Axon is back and he's uh, he's uh, signed with IPV. Um, and IPV are doing very well. I... I um, I mentioned on, uh, I think it was Facebook, this the Tony Larkso effect. <laughs> he seems to have had this impact on the team, whether that's accurate or not, I don't know. But maybe he is some kind of good luck uh, charm for them because IPV have uh, scored a significant number of points since uh, he signed with them. And they are now starting to close in on uh, pa- uh, Patioki. Um, so, Miko. What do you make of that signing? It's a great signing. And I mean, that that move was, for me, that was a, like a sign of intent, actual intent to make something out of this season. And they also made some loan signings from KPL, which are not permanent, but anyway. Uh, but most, most importantly, I mean, they had to... Uh, two guys whose jobs were to score runs, like the chokers, and they did not provide. So you just remove them from the lineup and get somebody else in. And now they got Tony Locke, so they got Villaveco only there, uh, <clears throat> and Mikko Kosonen, who's low-key, like raising his level. He's an all-star player now 
So their stock is, it's, if it's not skyrocketing, it's, it's going high because, I mean, they have been a good, uh, they have had a good solid defense all season long, but they couldn't score for love or money. I mean, that, but now, now that they are scoring at least an adequate amount of runs, looking good. Hmm. Well, we'll talk about uh, some of the statistics and, and things uh, later on uh, with some of my new uh, statistics categories I've been working on. But yeah, as as an offense, they've really, really struggled and it, it really shows. And uh, Ate Brandt, who uh, came from KPL Zuckerspes' team last year, uh, really didn't hit that mark um for for IPV this season and so now we've got this team who who like you say that they're showing that intent and there was a big worry I suppose that earlier on in the season this was a team that was perhaps going to fade away we know there's been some changes in the um in the back room and and uh and things like that um, but it's it's interesting and, and really pleasing to see that actually they are going to make something of it and as I say, you know, they, they could overtake Batioki if they if they start to get things to gel and work together. Um, interestingly, today, I also saw that uh, Tony Kohonen is uh, fo- finally, formally signed for uh, Govla. There was some talk of that earlier on in the season. Um, he's playing for their Urkespesis team, but I thought it just was worth a, a little mention because uh, I know that we talked a little bit about that rumour earlier on in the season. Um, Mikko, is he going to be a, a draw for some of the crowds? Those Urkespesis games at Coppola are very poorly attended. Mm, mostly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> they they want to steer clear of relegation, so he can help with that. And they had they had like two capable pitchers uh, up until the end of the deadline, which was yesterday. We are recording this on the uh, Saturday twenty second. So, but on like twenty first, Johansu called back the other pitcher. So now they were left with basically one pitcher. Because uh, Alex Ivanio is pitching for the Super Pesis team, so Kohonen is uh, like a is a good signing in that regard as well. But I don't know what to make of it. There's been a fair few changes in terms of game manager as well in both the men's and the women's uh, Super Pesis recently. Um, we saw following Hamina's game yesterday in the ladies. Uh, um, team for Tarkom. Their game manager has uh, uh, has ceased working for for Tarkom uh, in that role now. Um, we also saw the return of uh, Sami Partanen for uh, Kite um, in the role of game manager. Um, Miko, do you think Sami's going to work some of his magic? We've talked before on this podcast about the the master tactician that he is. Do you think he can get them out of this bit of a jam that they seem to be in at the moment? Yes, I mean, I think it's more of a 
like multi-layer thing, but to put it simply, I I think that the the word that uh, he has the ingrained DNA of the whole area within his very cell, <laughs> like every cell of his body. So, <clears throat> so he knows the club uh, true and true, and vice versa. And he is also he is a shrewd tactician, but it it goes way beyond that. He is also um, an excellent coach, and he knows he does not just know the game. He knows how to coach the players and he knows the value of giving the youth a chance and raising their confidence and so that is the key because they are talking right now that he had a three-year deal already in the cards that was until the end of the season 26 or so and now they're talking about bringing back the championship to get there in, in 26. So that's like, those are their ambitions. And they have all the people who have provided the previous, like, golden years, so to say, the golden era in Pesatalo and Kite at the turn of millennium. They're back now at the helm. And they have the best possible man as the game manager. And I'm not saying that he will turn turn the ship like <laughs> himself. But it's looking promising. It's looking a lot better. I mean, even, even more so when you think that they are missing Akuketunen and Yusolattu at the moment. So, and still they're like getting winning away against Monza. Yeah. I mean, those are some key players to be without. And of course, at the very beginning of the season, when we were talking about our previews, we were talking about Kite almost sort of losing that soul, that kind of the ambition to be a top team, the signings that they, they let go, the, the homegrown players that were, were, supposed to be coming to fruition, particularly uh, several players going to Sotkomo. Um we, we questioned where the direction was for this team and this club and, and where they really see themselves. This is a big statement, um, and I agree with you with this, that um, Sami Partonen coming back, this idea of, you know, we are going to be a championship team again. We are going to go back through, through our youth um, culture. And they have such a great system. And uh, it's one of the things I always think about with with Kite is, is how strong that youth system has been over the years. So I'm really pleased to see it. I'm very excited as well because um, when we do get to the postseason, and I have every confidence that Kite will be there, of course, because we've got 10 teams that will make it this year in the men's, uh, I'm very excited to see how they will start to play and maybe they could be a surprising package just in a couple of games here and there. Whether they'll make it far or not, I doubt it. But I, I'm I'm interested to see game to game how they perform and maybe they might just come up with a couple of surprises here and there. 
So that's some of the signings I wanted to um, talk about. Um, the next piece of news, the big piece of news I really wanted to discuss was the Italansi selections. Um, so we've had the men's and the women's Italansi uh, selections. Uh, Miko, is there any surprises in there for you? Any players that you, or managers that you felt maybe were left out? Yeah, of course they are. I mean, if you if you make a list of your own for thirteen, which I do <laughs> for fun, uh, I mean, <clears throat> I I need to agree with uh, when the when the teams were mentioned and they were revealed in the Super Monday uh, broadcasting and uh, on live TV and they gave away the men's team for Ita. Uh, Ante Tokare was asking that where is the where is the best player of Kempele? Where is the top tier, top three player of the whole league? Ante Korhonen. And I mean I wouldn't go that far. But I would say that he's a shoe-in. I mean, there's no way you can leave him out. He's been a, he's been fantastic um, at the bat, and he's also one of the very top, few top, like catchers in the in the game. So that's that's one. And and Yeres Aoko from Vimpeli is another one that. As I, he really stands out for me that he doesn't get all the line like the spotlights that he would probably get in another team, but he's like uh, he's a key cog in that machine. Uh, well, and for women, uh, okay. I will never get, I mean, as much as I like Anne Heikkila, I will ne- not get around the fact that Venla Tanhua should have been there. That's like, that, that's my take. And, <clears throat> and I also think that if you are just going with one, uh, just with one pitcher, uh, on both sides. I don't know if they have discussed about this or not, but um, <laughs> for the Ita women, when I, uh, when I asked in an interview with Vera Toika that who she thinks is the best pitcher in the women, in women's superposition, she said that it's without doubt, without a doubt, Mari Montenegro. And <clears throat> I would also say that every, everyone that I, who I've spoken with and the games that I've seen, if I would have to rank like, uh, super pieces pictures in women, uh, places one, two, and three would be Mari Montenegro. And then, Number four would be someone else. So <laughs> to leave her out of the game is like, if it's not her personal choice, just like with Ante and if it's not a personal choice, then I do not understand. 
for example, for Jukka Pekka Vainiobää, it was a family reason that they are like having a small baby in the family. So he is not playing in the All-Star game. But that's different. But those are the names that are left out for me. Yeah, and I I, I totally see where you're coming from with those uh, Antti Korhonen big um big boost to that Kempele defence. Um I remember when we were talking about his signing the other year uh, and moving there, it really shifted that dynamic in, in Kempele from a, a team that was okay but had some problems in defence to a team that became a viable um playoff team and sort of a, a middling playoff team even. Um, and it, it's it was really focused around him and rightly so uh, that year. But playing very well again this year um, in terms of Mari Manson. And again, um, I mean, I was fortunate enough to to interview her in the podcast last year. And yeah, she's an incredible pitcher, and I agree entirely. I think for me, the only other names I can think of that I would have liked to have seen maybe um, in terms of men's. In terms of game manager, even I would have liked to have seen Perto Westersund as the second game manager for the West. I really think he's been uh, amazing uh, this year. He's so passionate about what he does, and I would like to see that be rewarded um, at, at, in, on the highest level. Um, maybe selfish reason for for the women's. I would have liked to have seen if uh, Taro Toikam would have made an appearance. Certainly earlier on in the season, she was doing very well. But um, I appreciate there are perhaps some more um, compelling uh, jokers uh, to to be had there on the East. Um, Here's a question, and I, I saw this floating around on social media as well. Should we be moving more towards a fan voted system for Italansi, because of course we had some um, fan interaction and, and voting take place this year, but um, in America for the All Star Game uh, in, in baseball, uh, at least it's it's voted for by the fans. Do you th- at, at the end of the day, this is a this is a game that means a lot to the players. Of course, it does. It's very very important. It's the highest level for them. But at the end of the day, from the fans' perspective, this is a spectacle. It's something where they want to see the players that they want to see at the highest level. Should they have more of a say in who those players are? Or should we carry on uh, leaving it to uh, selectors? Well, that's a double-edged sword. If there ever was one, because uh, <clears throat> I mean, we all want to see our favorite players. That that's for sure. But I'm just <laughs> call me old-fashioned, if you will. But I, <laughs> I mean, I I would love to see more interaction, and I I I love that there is some like interaction and they can select certain players uh, I mean the fans but I'm just thinking that does it become a bit of a like a beauty patient if we are letting it go to like 
to a fan wall. It, I mean, it becomes a social media competition, if we're being honest about it. And there, I mean, there's a lot of people who will still vote for the people who are not on social media. So, but but let's be honest. I mean, as much as I love the guy, Juha uh, Bohtemaki did not make it this year uh, by playing. He did it because he is the most like popular person in the game, and I am, I have absolutely nothing against that, but it's just an example for me that if we want to do that, um, if we would like vote all thirteen players like that, maybe that <coughs> would not work. And especially because those are the kinds of, like, we don't have uh, national teams, national team games as such. So you don't earn any caps or so. So it's like, those are the ones that stay in your CV. And somebody who with expertise has actually looked at your game and given you the opportunity to play in an all-star game. So that's why I wouldn't take it. Like I would raise it a bit from where we are today, but not too much. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see the point in terms of social media and um, at the end of the day, you don't want to just have people voting for players from the team that they support and kind of skew results just because a team has a lot more interactive fans than somebody else, for example. Um, so that's that's something else. And, and I, I like the way you put that in, in order to get this accolade, in order to say, you know, I am an Italanti-selected player, somebody in the business, somebody with real expertise has to have judged to say that you're worthy enough. And I suppose that, that really means something much more than being popular. As, as, as fun as it is to be popular. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And yeah. as much as we need fan, fan interaction, that's the dilemma. I mean, we need as much fan interaction as there can possibly be. But, but still, I would not, like, maybe too from its side, and that's it. So, moving on then to um, final bit of news. Uh, obviously, we're coming towards the, the end of the month now, and uh, in fact, the Pesapolo World Cup is uh, supposed to start very shortly uh, in Huvinka. Um I'd seen on, on social media recently that, unfortunately, some of the uh, Asian teams had been refused their their visas, and so they will not be able to participate. Um, I know it must be upsetting for for all the players and all the people who've been working uh, behind the scenes there to try and get things moving along, because um, they had a, a great experience uh, in India in two thousand and nineteen, and this was an opportunity to show how those those nations have grown and evolved. Uh, with that sport, and they have, they have been doing that. I mean, I've been watching um, live streams of some of the the tournaments that they've been putting on, the national tournaments and things there, which are, are fantastic. Um, but Miko, it, it 
must be disappointing for those involved. It is. Uh, and yeah, and most importantly, like you said, it's a it's a bit of blow blow to those who work within the game over there and put their like love in in some examples also also their money into that particular cause in and then get like rejected not being able to participate in the tournament yes I do feel very sad for my friends over there uh, I want to I just want to emphasize that uh, as much as it hurts right now uh, it is also a thing that we are at crossroads where we needed a new international strategy anyway and this is a perfect opportunity to implement just that and now we just need to move on and think about what we want to see in the future and how we want to do it because the world cup as we've seen uh, as such it has uh, reached it's like reached the end uh, we can play it like this or we can actually grow and i want to explore the latter so but but yeah i am still uh very excited that we do get like people from canada and uh my friends from switzerland and australia and so forth so it's it's gonna it's gonna be fun anyway so so yeah yeah i'm i'm looking forward to the games as well um uh in particular the, the swiss and the australian teams really looking forward to seeing them uh, back out there as well um but yeah it, it's it's very disappointing to to hear this news i was hoping to see um how the asian teams had grown and marry up against against these other teams uh, as well but uh like you say the the important thing now is to try and rejig and rework these things in terms of that international strategy and i do know that there are talks of things behind the scenes to to try and move that forward so i really do hope that soon we will see a really clear idea and vision as to how that that can be grown abroad and how we can integrate that with the the system that's available in finland already because that's how the sport can grow that's how it will work we need a proper strategy and in fairness we we've we've talked often about the fact that there isn't much of a strategy in finland itself to grow the game in finland um well we were all surprised earlier this year that actually there's some very bold ambitions to to grow the game and to increase audience sizes and things like that very excited to see if those things uh, come off but we also need to see something on the international side, so let's hope we can see that. And I would like to add that uh, the whole plan needs to put together all, like, well, not all four sports, because cricket also needs to be involved in some level, but the, the four sports that 
belong under the umbrella of Pesapala Federation in Finland, which are, uh, <coughs> well, sorry, three, uh, Pesapala softball and baseball, because there is the Los Angeles 2028 Olympic project going on. And we do, we do want the international baseball side also to grow. But we need a different kind of a strategy to make that thing happen. And also, uh, how to, the, the ways to create a sustainable platform for Pesapalo to grow as a game, uh, not just in Finland, but just for, for people who want to Uh, play the game in Finland and have a life here if they can like, put their feet in. Uh, that's something that we need to take a long look at. I mean, that's just, uh, that is the best way to grow the game. Uh, we don't need any quick fixes. We don't like We don't win anything if we have one tournament where we would have teams from all over the world and then everything just stops because there's like somebody has just funded it with uh, X amount of euros and that's a one-off. So we need to build it on something more sustainable and that is exactly what we are working on. So... So yeah, I that is one of the biggest wishes that I've had that it would come true. Well, one of the ways in which uh, the game can grow and be more accessible to people is making the statistics and the analysis more accessible, which really brings us on to the next topic, and that's my... Um, my spreadsheet that I've been working on, uh, those of you who listen to the show regularly will know I'm often talking about statistics and I'm often um, creating little spreadsheets on things. Well, I've been rather busy the last few weeks uh, putting together this spreadsheet, looking at new statistical analysis and even statistical categories uh, based on the information that we already have, the data that we already have at our fingertips. So I haven't gone game by game recording new information. I've just gone and looked at the information that's already there um, on the on the score sheets and everything and just drawn these new statistics together um, to make this spreadsheet. Now, McCoy, I sent it to you without much <laughs> explanation of the categories or anything. I am doing a blog post at the moment that will explain this in a lot more detail hopefully um but uh, what was your impression of that uh, that spreadsheet my impression was exactly the same that i got 15 years ago which was when <clears throat> i moved to helsinki and got to know uh the people working within pesapalo over here and uh one of the guys who was also the captain of our team that I ended up coaching, was working uh, in uh, Nokia and doing like 
let's just say that he could handle his IT. But so he got access to the data that was like already in use and had been used since 1992 or so. And he showed showed it to me and I've said it to said this on several occasions that he just showed it to me that what can already be taken out from the existing data like like you said not taking anything new like nobody needs to watch any games or do any like stuff that I will go <laughs> in the next phase but but the fact that there was so much already to be taken out of, that, that was mind-blowing. And this is another one that this year we have advanced stats also available uh, thanks to Ruto Urahelo. Uh, I mean, kudos to them. And But just the sheer fact that you you create that just like, on your spare time, <laughs> if you would have spare time, <laughs> but I mean, for for you it's most likely to be a work time. But yeah, but yeah. Anyway, I I hope that nobody in the high court are, are listening to this. But <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, but just the fact that you are able to do that is for me. It's like man, this this is where we actually should be starting from. And build it from there. And this kind of a thing is that I know that there are people. <laughs> there's all, always like a bunch of people saying that we are not interested in like statistics or stuff like that. But it's like, <sighs> I mean, we don't we don't need to <laughs> be. Uh, we don't need to push them to everyone, you know? Uh, we just need to provide some information to those who are actually interested in the course and who are, who have that kind of a mindset, like you and I, that we get more out of it that way. So it's like, uh, it's, a, it's a long answer, but I will end it with the, like, Phrasing uh, one of my favorite people in the whole planet, Ricky Gervais, who had like in one of his stand-up uh, specials, he said that it's like uh, it's like a guy walking to a square where there where there would be a banner that would have like free uh, that would say the free guitar lessons, and he would go to the banner and say that, but I don't want your free guitar lessons. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. <laughs> Somebody might. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I, I, I mean, there's so many statistics available in other sports. Like um, uh, some of the, the, the things I've used here are from baseball, for example. Some of the ideas are from ice hockey, even with, um, I, okay, one of the statistics categories I did was, was shutouts. You know, uh, whether a team is able to go a whole yak so without conceding a run. So at the moment, there's no defensive statistics available widely at all. Um, but interestingly, the team with the most number of shutouts is uh, 
is Sodcomo. I mean, you'd you'd expect that, but they've had they've had twelve uh, up to um, up to last uh, weekend, um, which is far more than anybody else. I mean, the next highest was uh, Kovla with seven. <laughs> so you get a sense of of how good that defense has been um, in completely stopping dead the offense. Another um, statistic I I sort of created. It's okay, so. When at the, on the box scores at the moment, you see how um, successful in, individual players have been, or even the team in a, any given game has been at s- scoring runs, moving the point runner from third base to home. They don't do the reverse and tell you how successful the defence has been at stopping the runner. So compiling that the the best defense again up to last weekend was Saltcommel who had stopped 60.77%. Interestingly the next best was Kempele. So Kempele had had 272 third base situations that they had to defend. They only allowed 152 runs. So a, a, a decent, uh, a decent defense, um, which you know you, you can kind of see when you watch the game. But it, when you look at the statistics, um, another category that I'd been looking at was how many errors were allowed with runners on third. So how often the defense was basically gifting a run to the batting team. So whether it was a wild throw or whether it was a walk. So I, I added up all of those for the games that they'd they'd played. Because again, on the box scores, you see it for the batting team. You say, oh, well, they, okay, they, they scored this many off the bat and they also got these gifted through wild throws and walks. Well, actually, that, that's more an issue for the defence than it is for, for the offence. So... Looking at that, the total number of errors, I actually worked out how many errors were given up on average when you had runners in scoring position on third base. And I worked it out as a percentage. It's obviously very low numbers. You'd expect it to be low. But the highest number of errors with runners on third base as a percentage was Kempelik. So more often throwing those wild throws, more often the walks um, than any other team. Um, But still low, still only 3.68%. The best team for that was actually Hervin Kantarko, who up until last weekend only allowed one run um, through an error. The next best was Sotkomo. So you can see... And analyze. Okay, so maybe Tarko is showing a slightly tighter defense in terms of of wild throws or walks. They're still allowing runs, and you can work out where those come. But Kempelik seemed to be a little bit looser with the ball there, and that that sort of makes sense when you when you go back and watch some of those games. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really interesting to kind of get all of these statistics and and put them all <laughs> together. Um, as I say, I, I put it together in my, my spare time. I've been trying to, to tweak these things and look at these things for quite some time now. And um, 
the the really interesting statistic for me, Michael, was um, I worked out an overall efficiency rating, which is the last column in the in the table. And the overall efficiency rating compares how efficient the batting aspect of the team is, so the offense, how efficient the defensive aspect of the team is. Considers them in equal measure. So not just how they're scoring runs from, from third base situations themselves, how they're defending against third base situations, how efficient they are at getting outs and allowing uh, hits, and equally uh, how uh, efficient they are at scoring runs. So how many um, hits it usually takes to score a, a run on average, uh, if one assumes that uh, the lower number of successful hits you need, the, the more efficient the offense. And well, certainly that seems to be the case in my table because Vimpley are, are top on that. And I think everybody would agree by some margin that Vimpley has the most efficient offense. Um, but when you actually look at the, the efficiency ratings overall, it gives you a pretty similar outcome to where those teams are in the table, which is interesting because we know that good performance doesn't always equate to points or wins uh, in games because, you know, you could completely dominate uh, one of the two yaks or lose the other in a, a single run and then... I don't know, in, in the Super or even the scoring contest, just drop out of it. Um, but still have been the better performing team statistically. Um, this actually uh, is a really interesting way of looking at the overall efficiency of a team. Um, looking at those kind of categories, Mika, what were what your thoughts? I think we are on to something big here because uh, whenever you can find something that you can like let, let's say that in, in this case you can you can say that you have foundations for this you have the data for this you can say that this actually resembles the like this actual statistics like it is, if not equal, it reminds <laughs> the like what we are seeing on the table, and uh, then I think that we are some onto something bigger because uh, we need to analyze this game way deeper, deeper than the actual results, which are the. Which are the thing that obviously is the uh, is the most important thing in the end, but <clears throat> I've been ranting on and on about like stats from NFL or so so forth in this podcast, but I will now now that you gave me this platform, I will just I will just take it to another level. What I said. Uh, for example, yesterday on Twitter was that what I want to see in Pesapalo is the similar kind of a thing that they have uh, created in NFL. That there are some people, uh, a 
couple of people, I think that in Pesapalla 2 would be enough, who would watch uh, each situation from each game, and they would, like, give a rating to the actual uh, thing that the person has been doing. Like, okay, it's a bit, bit of a figure skating kind of a contest, but, but still... Uh, when we're talk, talking about, for example, scoring runs, and first of all, we need to take out the fact that twist this whole stat line right now with this kind of a sample size that the third, if the third uh, strike is a foul, foul ball, then it's like it's nothing it's like it's a it's an out from first base which is like and it it does actually screw up the sound like the stat in in this kind of a sample size but what i want to see for example in the future is that if uh rope coronen when he will play until he's 55 or so he comes to bat and he hits the ball straight towards the like the catcher's or the outfield player's chest, and they drop it like an easy catch that should have been made, and they just miss it completely, and it in, ends up being four runs. It it should be given a rating of a catch. That is my take. I mean, I, I know that many, that, that takes, uh, the human aspect into, to the equation and it makes it more complicated. But at least like, because it's so different when he comes to bat. If there's like zero strike, uh, sort of, uh, zero outs, uh, numbers one, two, and three on bases. Or if it's two outs, the slowest guy on third base, he's just been running around like <laughs> the bases and uh, the whole outfield can go further back. So those are two completely different scenarios. And when we only play like 26, 30 games in a regular season, these things will even themselves over maybe a span of five years, but not one. And that's why I would love to have a more uh, stats-based um, an analytic system. I was, uh, yesterday I was referring to the expected goals in football that where does the shot come from? Is it like, is it blocked? Could it have been blocked? Uh, how much of a chance do they have in general of actually reaching the net? And, and so forth. I mean, this is a stop-start game. We can, we can analyze anything we want to. It's just a case of what is relevant and how much we want to do it. And I know that we, both of us, we want to do more of it. Yeah. So 
that's about it for the um, statistics spreadsheet uh, for now. And in fact, that'll do it for this half of the uh, show. Uh, we'll take a short break and uh, join us when we'll be talking a little bit more about some of the results and where the uh, results may take us uh, coming up. Okay, so uh, welcome back. Um, we're now talking about some of the results and league leaders. At the moment, um, by some margin, Vimple are top uh, of the men's. Um, Miko, they're seven points ahead of uh, Sotokom at the time of recording. They look pretty um, strong. I, I can't imagine them slipping from there. We just saw them uh, beating KPL away. Um, so they were at KSS yesterday, uh, taking the full three points. Um, is is this a team that's going to stick at the top? It is. I mean, as far as the regular season goes, no, that's a, that's a no-brainer now. Uh, at the moment, now that they got basically all of their players back, uh, they are starting to fire on all cylinders now, so I don't see the, anybody stopping them at this regular season. I mean, the thing that, that really um, really impresses me about Vimpli is their offence. It's just unrelenting is probably the word I would use. Um, just when you think you might be able to start to get on top of of things, the answer is no. Vimply are just ploughing ahead. They're, they're like a a juggernaut. They press on, and when you look at the table, when you look at how many runs um, the other teams have scored, the the next highest scoring team is KPL with 183 at the time of recording. But Vimply have a, a a whopping 250 runs in their pocket. I mean, they, they can score from any angle. They've got no end of players who can hit the ball about the park and people who can run the bases. Um, yeah, for me, I, I can't imagine them slipping uh, beyond, below that first place. I mean, the big question is obviously going to be the matchups they get in the postseason and, and those individual games, if they... Um, if they find themselves in trouble. I mean, it looks unlikely at the moment, but I'm just looking at the, the remaining games that they have. Um, they have um, Kempele and Yonsu still to go, but other than that, we're looking at teams like IPV, Koskankorva, Aliarvi. They're not teams that are likely to cause Vimpli so much of a problem that they're going to lose that seven-point lead. So... Um, yeah, it's uh, top of the top of the tables in the bag as far as I see it for them. Um, looking at the other end of the the table, we've actually seen Koskan Korva dip down into twelfth at the moment. They had been sort of pleasantly going along, but I think we've seen a couple of adjustments with IPV in particular. We talked about that at the top of the show that has really seen them uh, leap ahead. I mean, they're only two points ahead 
of course, Concordia at the moment, but you'd have to say, of the material that they have, I fancy IPV's chances to stay ahead of Concordia uh, uh, at the moment. The big question mark for me um, remains with uh, Yumi Yusit. I'm not quite sure how they'll play out towards the end of the season. Um, they really haven't impre- impressed me in terms of their offence this year. I know it was a big problem after Jukka Pekovani umpire left the other year, and of course last year they clung on, um, as it were, and stayed out of that relegation battle. But this year just seems to, to be even worse for them. Um, Mika, what, what do you make of the bottom end of that table? Well, now that you mentioned Jimmy Yusit, I think that their season has, like, in hindsight, it has panned out pretty much exactly like, well, not exactly like I thought it would, but it, almost exactly like it did last year. So they started, like, they, they, they couldn't get points from anywhere, basically. And then they have their extra games against Alayarvi and Koskenkorva, which is something that most, like, okay, there's no such thing as in free lunch in this, in this uh, league also, but that should be an opportunity to get points, extra points. And uh, now... They have started to get a bit of a like life to their game, and some players who have come from Ukaspasis, uh, like the pitcher Keskepetaya and uh, Joker Hildunen, who is just nineteen and uh, already like reaching fifty RBIs or so this season. So I think that. They are one. They, they are a team that can cause problems to teams above them. Uh, Patioki had a bit of a like a, I don't know a, a quiet phase. They they missed Mikael Makela for a couple of games. Uh has not been his real right. Reliable self uh, this season, and uh, IPVs like all of a sudden they have like found the purple patch, and uh, Alayarabi are the only one who are like, yeah. I mean, if we get out of the bottom position, that's good. But if we don't, that's not the end of the world. Everybody else is like they are scraping for all the like for anyone. That, that they can find with all the respect for the players that they are signing and who are playing like incredibly well, by the way. But it's gonna be one heck of a dogfight. That's uh, that's what I'll say. Yeah. Well, the looking at uh, Yumi Asit's uh, schedule coming up. Um, at the time of recording, I mean, they're about to play Ali Arvi uh, tomorrow. Uh, for us, um, and then uh, Koskan Korva on the 25th. But after that, it's a tough old way home 
uh, to the end of the season. Monza, KPL, Kempele, Jornsu. Uh, they're going to struggle to get points from, from any of those games unless they, they really find something. I mean, each of those teams are really competing for points because they're competing for positions, pretty much the same positions in the table at the moment. There's very little points between um, between third place and even sixth. I think it's about two or three. So I, I, I'm really interested to see how those pan out. By the way, going just very quickly, going back to my statistics uh, spreadsheet, um, Mansa, when they played Yomiusit last time, had a very low efficiency rating compared to the other teams that Yamusa had played against, the 53.98 overall efficiency rating, which made them the second uh, worst team statistically to play against Yamusa. So <laughs> I can't imagine that that same monster will, performance will turn up in this coming game. But hey, you know, you miss it. They've got to got to cling on to something. Maybe they can repeat that performance um, from from earlier on in the season. Who knows? Um, so, turning from the the men's to the women's table at the moment, um, Mansa have uh, have struck right back to the the top of the the table at the moment. And we were talking before about um, uh, Venlatanhoa as a as a pitcher, and and she is incredible. Um, Mikko, is this going to be a bit of a dogfight between uh, Pori and Mansa now? There, there are a few points between them there. But um, these, these two, as I, I saw it earlier on in the season, probably the, the two key rivals for, uh, for the top spot. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I think it was June 5th or so. When Mansa played home against Joensu and they lost the game. At that point, they had played five games, out of which they had lost two without getting a single point. And the game was looking awful. The, the roles were not on place. I mean, it, it was just shambles to be honest. And now we're talking about a team that is on a 12-game winning streak. And they are absolutely flying. I mean, they are flying past teams like Virkia and whoever. I mean, they're just... They're just... A, you, mentioned, you mentioned the word juggernaut. They are just that. I mean, they are they are relentless, and their defense is top notch too. So, I mean, it'll probably come down to one game, uh, but at the moment, it's hard to see someone overtaking Monster in regular season. Mm. Well, the only team that can do it is is Pori, I think, and and one of the reasons why I think that is. Looking at the schedule, Pori and Munster play each other twice between now and the end of the season. So the 
those two games are the ones to really pay attention to because they could decide who gets top and second spot. I mean, obviously, you know, <laughs> it's not going to make a massive difference as to what the outcome of the postseason is. Um, I mean, the only difference will be who, which team plays which which other team in the in the in the postseason. But um, it's it's bragging rights, really, isn't it? it it's it's what you can can uh, manage from your opponents because. Obviously, everybody wants to get the favourable matchups in the, in the postseason, but everybody wants to be able to beat these opponents. Everybody wants to say, you know, look, we went there and we got, we came back with two points, three points, whatever. Interestingly, uh, looking at the uh, the games going back to the fifth of June, the fifth of June is the last time that this team conceded any points. So even though they've uh, yes they're on a twelve game winning streak, even where they haven't taken the full three points, their opponents haven't taken away any points either. Now that's massive, because it's 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 really <laughs> unhelpful for their opponents because of course you know they're in their own battles doing whatever as well. But like you say, months have been on it, and they, these kind of key situations. Where Yaks have kind of turned on them, they've always tipped in Mansa's favour. Even if they haven't managed to win, they've managed to tie the Axel up as well. So um, it's one of those two teams for me at the top. Um, and those two games against Poirier are going to be essential watching if you if you want to see how those two games uh, those two teams play out for the rest of the season. Um, towards the bottom end of the the table. Roy Huteret now have points. The last time that we recorded this, they didn't have any. Um, well, they've they've managed to string together some some victories. Um, they're, they're, they're in eleventh, but Kempele, wow, they, they they're still without any wins. They're only on four points, and things are not looking good for them. I mean, Taco as well. They're they're on ten points, down in tenth. Um, with only three victories as well um, as uh, Roy Hutteret. But they, they've had to um, shift from their game manager. We saw that happen uh, just yesterday at the time of recording. Um, in a bit of a contrast, the Hamina are now in ninth. Um, 17 points, so seven points ahead of that uh, that tenth place. And Yohansu clinging on to that eighth spot, um, nine points ahead of, of Hamina. Personally, I see Yoansu sticking the landing. They're going to stay in that eighth spot. I think the gap's too big between those two teams. But do you think Hamina is safe yet, or do you think there's some some kind of cl- um, storm clouds gathering that could see them drop uh, into that relegation battle? No, not anymore. No, 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 no. I mean, it's that's uh, never, never say never, but they are the biggest or the achievers of the season. Uh, I mean, in all fairness, uh, <clears throat> I did not see a single season preview that was not maybe written by you that <laughs> that would would have said before the season that that. Hamina would be anywhere else than dead last. And that was like, even some people within the game were speaking about the, like, the series of like, yeah, there's Hamina and then there's the other teams. 
Like, that's the goal. And now we're seeing that they're on 15. Was that the... Yeah. 17. Yeah. 17. I mean, yeah. And <clears throat> teams like Tarkos should be way ahead of them. I In terms of what their uh, basic level should be. The, like, but, uh, but yeah, I, there's no way that Hamina would get back, drawn back, dragged back, or anything. Uh, Tarko may get a bit of a revival uh, towards the end of the season, but it's too late to push for a playoff spot. The have found, they have found something to their game, and it's looking way better way more energetic and uh, more like uh, organized but I, I think this eight teams are shaping up pretty nicely their final like positions are obviously still unclear but it's been a fascinating season of ups and downs yeah um for me, I think Yonsu are, are going to stay in that top eight. They, they've got matchups against Tarkom, um, Kempele twice, and Hamina as well. Now, Hamina will, they'll be playing Hamina away, and Valikent has been a, a very strong place for Hamina uh, so far this season. In fact, most of their points have come from home games. So that one's a bit of a, a toss-up, but when you look at you know the other the other matchups I just mentioned, um, Tarkom and two games against Kempele, I can't see Yonsu dropping points or losing those games, and that's the thing. So in the top eight, yeah, because unless Hamina's going to turn around and win every single game the remaining of the the season. I think Yonsu are in that top eight. The, the gulf is just too big. For me, the interesting thing towards the end of the season will be whether Yonsu will overtake um, Mailataret, because Mailataret actually has quite a challenging schedule ahead of them for the last few games. They've got Pori, Keritaret, uh, Yonsu as well, um, but Lapo and um, Senioki as well. So there's a few games in there that, okay, Myla Tourette could take a few points here and there, but that's a tough uh, end to the season for them in comparison to the one that uh, Yonsu has. And they're equal on points at the time of recording. So I I think the favour kind of tips in, in Yonsu's favour there, but you know, this is a Mylatharet team that, even though they've gone through a number of changes from last year, they they still like to throw us a few surprises now and then. So this will be an interesting one to to look out for uh, come the end of the season. So, in terms of uh, top performers, um, what has been interesting or surprising to see is Rob uh, Korhonen for for Sotkoma in the men's Super Persis, uh coming into the fight between Pertoruska and uh, Jokobekovani Umpa as well. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if he can can topple uh, Jokobeka. I'm not sure if he, he can. Um, Vimpoli's offence is working so well, but uh, a, a surprise in some respects. Uh, not a shock, because uh, we know Roper is uh, um, 
a very well pedigreed player, if I can put it like that. He, we we see him year after year at the top end. But uh, yeah, Michael, what what do you make of uh, Roper's uh, reemergence into the top end of those statistics? Well, I take it with. Um, I'm trying to think of a correct way to put this, but uh, I like to let's just say that I would uh, I put my money where my mouth is, and in my season predictions ticket, where I have the batting, uh, so called batting king. Uh, the one who scores the most, most runs. I had only one name on that slip this season. Korhonen Roper. And that was because he gets unlimited trust. And he's the one who goes first whenever there's like... It doesn't matter who is coming. Like, who's running. Even if the numbers 1, 2, and 3 create like... Like a, they load the bases, they bring in Rope in most cases. And even if it's the third strike, he gets unlimited trust from Mikko Korsman and always, he always has, always will. And that's the way that guy should be played because he's the, he's the best in the history when it comes to third strike because uh, he doesn't have such a thing as a fear. And when, like, he's... The decisions he makes at bat are so stupid that they are ingenious. Like, you, you should never, ever try to do that with your third strike. But he does that. And he's, he does it successfully. Whereas... Uh, Vimbali will score 1.6 times or more runs as a team, but they, they share the, like, the scoring load, the batting load between Rinda Aho, Vainiunta, Makela. Um, so even like they, they hit a lot of home runs before that and so on. So I think that's, uh, that's why Rope is up there. Uh, and he will like be fighting to keep there until the uh, end of the regular season. Mm. Well, like you say, it's that kind of trust that the team have in him, and he's he's a tried and tested method over a good number of years now. And um, one of my favourite players to watch come come to bat because it's 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 majestic. <laughs> Sometimes probably the word I'd say, say in terms of how he manages to to score runs. Um, but yeah, you know, you look at teams like Vimpley. They're they're a very offense driven team. And way way back when we we started this podcast, I asked you what was the kind of defining uh, kind of ethos. Be uh, you know the the kind of. Um, the way that the East teams play compared to the West and whether there's much of a difference. Well, the way that Vimpley are playing is very much in the style of, of the West, as, as you described it then, which is much more kind of uh, batting driven and the East more kind of defensively driven. Um, but 
Europa Korhonen is is that kind of dependable player that you go, okay, we know he's coming to bat now. Let's let's um, let's see how many runs we get from this. Um, so yeah, I'm really pleased to see him him up that top end of the the statistics table. Defense has been Sotokoma's greatest strength this year, and in particular, Apokomalan playing playing very well indeed. There's a lot of players in in um, Sotokoma who've been backing him up as as defensive players as well. But um, yeah, now that they seem to to have that offense firing a little more consistently than they did earlier on in the season, um, that will be interesting as we start to now head towards the post season. Um, in terms of the uh, women's statistics, so in terms of the women's statistics, Anokai uh, Samantare of um, Senioki is uh, talking batting statistics at the moment. Um, Senioki seem to have outperformed at some levels, but they're, they're still managing to lose games here and there. Um, Mikko, are you impressed by Aino um, Kaiser so far this season? Uh, and the whole team, yeah. I mean, she's the driving force uh, still, but but the fact is that there's an incredibly talent, talented core coming through, and they are coming to the fore already. And they are making like new contracts and giving positive signs within the organization. And a lot of players are being selected to Italian games in both women's and uh, uh, girls' uh, categories. And there's a lot of successful uh, youth teams coming from Senayoki in the future. So. It's just a matter of time when they will get back to when they will reach uh, some kind of a medal and play for a championship. Not this year, maybe, but they are getting closer and closer. And this season underlines that uh, just the fact, just the sheer fact that Aina Casamantara is like she has <laughs> owned that team for a uh, good couple of years and uh, she's still doing a fantastic job now she's just getting getting more and more support from the surrounding players yeah I mean I, I think if we were going to say there was two teams that really have impressed from from the women's super prices this year um, Ferro would be the other team uh, for me but yeah Senioki's um, very impressive, and and uh, doing very well. Uh, obviously, at the moment, top of that batting statistics in terms of runs batted in. Um, the only other um, player I wanted to just quickly talk about that's in any of the the sort of top statistics is uh, Johanna Pirskunen from Joensu, who has one hundred and five successful. Uh, hits now we've seen and we've talked a little bit about um, Vera Doika as well the the picture in terms of how some of Yonsu's pieces are, are starting to come together and some of their players are, are sort of standing out. Um, but Birskinen seems to be a, a a player who's really getting the the ball rolling for that Yonsu offense and uh, at important moments as well. Uh, Mika, would you agree? 
she is a franchise player. Uh, she needs to be that, just like Vera Boca. And uh, they both have been performing at that level. And uh, that organization will do anything to keep them there. Well, the future may be bright for, for Jons if they manage to hold on to those. Um, as I say, this could be the year that they they uh, make the playoffs as well. In fact, I very much think that they will. So that'll just about do it for this episode of the podcast. I want to thank my co-host, Mikko Pirhonen. Thank you very much. And me, Ian Alba, thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and uh, please do check out some of my uh, writings on the blog. That's superpesisroundup.wordpress.com. You can also follow me on Twitter and on Facebook at superpesisr. You'll also see me occasionally writing on Hamina's website in English as well. Um, Please do leave a comment if you've enjoyed the show, and I hope you have. We would love to hear from you. Uh, But until next time, we'll see you soon. Hidden far away Don't be afraid